Welcome to the Lift Oneself podcast, Golly. I truly appreciate you being here. Thank you, Nat. I didn't (laughs) say it right. See? Yeah. And you weren't going to correct me. I corrected myself. Rewind, come again. Welcome to the Lift Oneself podcast, Goalie. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you, Nat Nat. So awesome to be here with you. And I said your name correctly, Goalie. Thank you. I love it. (laughs) Let's take a breath together. Mm -hmm. Breathe in through your nose. Hold it. Gently release. How is your heart doing? Doing good. Smiling. Excited to be here. What can you thank COVID for? Oh, great question. I've always just said it's been such a shakeup of everything, which with everything kind of being shaken up or changing, closing up outside initially, it was this invitation to kind of go inward and into our own homes and re-evaluate what really matters to us. You know, if I'm going to be quarantined, for example, with these people, well, who are the people? Or if I'm going to be careful of the few people that I get to be with, you know, who do I choose? Why do I choose them? You know, the experiences that I don't get to have and that are being closed up. Well, besides those, what really matters? You know what I mean? And just how can we feel what it feels like to have those things change and feel all the helplessness, the confusion, again, the despair, the lack of safety, the, the what's going on with this virus, like what's going to, how is it going to impact me and my family and my friends and then the extension, the neighbors and the community and what's happening globally. It was a pattern interrupt. You know what I mean? Because we couldn't continue going on the same way anymore. It was just like this giant pause you know, and how things were. And it was just an invitation to really go inward and evaluate for ourselves. And now that things are so divided and polarized on the outside, again, it's another invitation to be like, where do I stand? What are my core values in all of this? And how do I still choose if my core value is to go through love, the avenue of love rather than fear? How can I show up as love? You know what I mean? How can I, when I'm invited to this polarity or that polarity, how can I be more in the middle, you know, and neutral? And why am I choosing the, the things that I'm choosing for myself and my family? You know, it really invites us back to our core values. This podcast is really, my intention has been to remove the stigmas around mental health mm, and yes. to allow other modalities to come in that people may have been apprehensive or they're curious, but because of academics or religious or cultural, they were afraid to engage in something different. And so Mm -hmm. I I really just wanted to invite people of different places, different experiences, different modalities that we can come into our common thread, which is humanity. And also see that how we perceive and how we experience is different Yet at the Mm -hmm. root, it's the same. Yes. Yes. I love that. You know, I call it the human family. And, you know, when you look at whatever word you want to use for where we all kind of came from, like that consciousness, source, God, you know, but that it's all individualized. 
in each of us. And then with all the differences, it's like an opportunity to kind of see more expressions of ourselves through the different experiences that we each have. But, you know, there's this whole thing about, you know, the ego layers and the fear base and how we were conditioned and all of that that kind of ties in that starts to divide us and separate us and make us kind of not see that commonality that you so beautifully expressed. And I'm like, if we can just come back to those common threads, you know what I mean? And that's why I think I share a lot about like my own journey, you know, even in being a mental health professional, like, I don't want that, even that barrier to be between myself and a client on the human level. Sure. I might have some, you know, strategies or skills, but it's like, let's meet as, you know, as common as possible first, you know what I mean? And then it's kind of like levels the playing field. Cause we, we live in such a hierarchical kind of system and it's like patient you know, doctor, therapist, client, like it's, it's always got this like hierarchy to it. And my whole thing is we, we got to remember our own inner wisdom, our own inner truth. And if anything, it's to kind of help facilitate that through all those layers and traumas and whatever is blocking that inner knowing, you know, that connection, that children natural, like we all had it at one point. <laughs> and so it's just like, let's come back to that and, and, and then shine from there, then make decisions about life from there you know yeah um yeah I love um life I really do I could tell um yeah it's it's you know the synchronicities and when you become a student in your own life and you open up it's beautiful the dynamics of conversations that you can get into and really see things beyond like you said the hierarchies of roles stigmas, professions, all this kind of stuff. And and remember what we're all on the same side, you know, we're coming, becoming aware that we are losing our focus on humanity. Mm -hmm. And I understand the appreciation of technology because without it, we wouldn't be doing this podcast right now. Exactly. Where there is an illness I'm seeing is that people are longing for community. Yes. They're longing to be seen. They're longing to make sense of what's going on within them without other people to keep telling them, well, you don't have it yet. You haven't figured it out. This isn't it where it's like, well, do I have anything to offer as value? Like, do I have anything mm. that makes some sense? I understand in the mental health profession to keep that kind of boundary. I also see where there can be a self-harm in that person of never really attaining their own self-actualization because they think the other person knows more than they actually know in their own experience. Yes. And I think that's a conversation too, to, to discuss. And I think I feel be open to entering into this because this is just coming, as you'll see, I, I just follow wherever um, yeah. the guidance is mm-hmm. the self-harm. We don't Mm. speak about the self-harm that we do to ourselves daily. And Mm -hmm. a lot of us think self-harm means mutilation. We go through self-harm on the way that we talk to ourselves, the way that we deny ourselves, uh, the way that we criticize ourselves. And Mm -hmm. it's a deep wound that we all experience that I don't hear people really talk about that aspect of it and acknowledging we all do it. And that's why we have the tools and practices to ensure that we unactivate that nervous system that is so frightened 
And that Mm -hmm. is creating this self-harm because we're bombarded, you know, where people don't understand or they may not have been educated is with the nervous system. It's constantly recording. Mm -hmm. And so the way you interpreted things may not have been the right way, yet it was in a way to protect yourself. Yes, exactly. And I love that you brought this up because, you know, I do work with teens who are self-harming as, as an actual, like the mutilation part of it, but the more um, hidden aspects of that is, is this, constant self-deprecating self-critical you know and and we end up kind of treating other people the way we kind of treat ourselves but even we're a little bit kinder you know they say be the change or treat others as you would like them to treat you but it's like treat yourself the way you actually treat others because we kind of do more harm internally and we would never speak to like a friend or a child or a, a co-worker anyone the way a lot of times we speak to ourselves and I remember that it was this you know, amazing moment in the mirror. (laughs) I love mirror work because I was like looking in the mirror and I'm like, why am I zoning in on like the problem area, like the pimple that I have or the the wrinkle that I have rather than kind of like zooming out. And I would never really understand people seeing like the beauty. I'd always be like, you know, kind of like shooing off like any kind of flattery, any kind of compliments and like, you know, really throwing it heavily on the other person. Well, you're this and you're this and you're this. And I wouldn't even be able to let it land within me. And then later just kind of becoming aware of that inner dialogue because it's so hidden. When I caught myself, I was like, oh my goodness. And then it, it turned out, I started to do some more like introspection and kind of seeing some of the commonalities. It's like a lot of the abandonment stuff that happens, you know, in childhood, whether we're not getting the love we need or a parent or someone actually does leave, whether they die or abandons, like leaves, like my father just left, you know, um, we might experience that and then internalize it. And then it starts to show up as self-abandonment, which is exactly like what came to me as soon as you said self-harm and the ways that we do that. I'm like, it's basically like we're abandoning ourselves. And a lot of times it's linked to someone did abandon us. And now we're actually learned (laughs) to abandon ourselves and kind of put our needs. And it kind of links a lot to the, you know, the social expectations or the expectations mothers have of themselves. So it just kind of falls very naturally to continue to like self-sacrifice as this like honorable thing to do. Like my mom, I grew up with a single mom then who self-sacrificed to her own detriment. And it was never like she would sit there and be like, what do I need? You know, like what's my boundary? <laughs> like what's, what is the the friendship or the relationship or how much I'm doing? Like, what are my needs? And just be like this thing like, no, 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 no. That's kind of like back, back, back. That's not important. You know what I mean? I'm just going to put my kids and, you know, providing for them and being a mom and a dad in the forefront, not realizing that when we do self-abandon, you know, it, it is a self-harm as you say, and then it shows up in the nervous system. The body is listening all the time and it, it'll either accumulate. It's like that energy accumulation. It'll either accumulate into an implosion of some kind, some kind of disease, you know, whether it's mental disease or a physical disease, you know, showed up in all kinds of symptoms with my mom, for example. And I see it across the board. Like I work with parents and their teenagers and you kind of see year after year, if you're not addressing that accumulation, 
of energy and your body screaming at you. It's like, got the headache. Okay. But it's like, it's as gentle as a headache. And then you don't listen. It becomes a migraine. You know what I mean? Or then it becomes tension in your body and your, in your shoulders. And how many of us have shoulder tension or lower back pain, that sense of support, you know, where, where the chakras can kind of get thrown off. And then it's like, but your body speaking to you is trying to tell you. And so a lot of the work is kind of just slowing down enough to pay attention to that nervous system and the messages that are kind of going on and coming up from the bottom up and becoming aware of that. And then start to, you know, meet the needs of your body and your, and your psyche and your emotional needs, your mental needs, your spiritual needs. And then seeing actually that benefits how I show up in my life, how I actually feel in my life in all my relationships. And then for parents, it's like, what are we modeling for our children? Um, if a lot of times kids are watching too, you know, they'll, they'll watch us kind of like, you know, pinch the flab on our bellies and like, you know, pick, pluck the grays out of our hair and just be like, Oh, and you know what I mean? And so then that becomes their inner dialogue. Like they're literally, you know, inheriting all of this stuff from us, which is where my passion is to kind of just work on our, myself as a mom of three and work with other parents, especially to just be like, this is what we're going to pass down. To the next generation and we can't just artificially pass it down my mom was always like you guys take care of yourselves you guys do this but what did i actually inherit you know as we know children learn more by what we do than what we say to them you know so i would learn what my mom did and i started that off and i saw the depth like the you know how it was showing up and i was like kind of starting to lose it and become irritable and all this stuff and then like oh <laughs> not having the knowledge. I'm like, Oh, this is what that means. Okay. So this is how it shows up. And then what do I actually do to correct it? Because none of us want to harm ourselves or our children, but we actually end up, you know, repeating a lot of things that are kind of conditioned patterns. Yeah. The uh, infamous saying, do as I say, not as I do. And it's like, uh, that was bullshit. Uh, Cause uh, it's like, so you're going to tell me not to smoke, but you're smoking. You're going to tell me not exactly. to swear, but you're swearing. You're mm-hmm. going to tell me not to lie, but you're lying that I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. You're going to tell me not. And so we don't realize words don't teach. As much as I'm doing a podcast and people are hearing certain things, it's in our energy and our tones of being able to connect into our feelings and being yes. able to see how how does this relate to me and mm-hmm. also be inquisitive of wait, I can question myself. I can exactly. question what I saw and how I interpreted things. I yeah. can engage with my emotions yes. and especially the ones that have been suppressed and repressed. Mm-hmm. And that is the awakening where people think it's all this unicorn shitting out rainbows <laughs> and everything's la la la. And I got it all together. And it's like, no, you're going to be processing a lot of shit. Because there's a lot of things that have been pushed down from the bottom and they Mm -hmm. have to come up for you to really be in tune and attuned to what your emotional compass is. And it's been so out of whack that now you have to allow all that processing to come up. And it may sometimes look like you have a mood disorder because Mm -hmm. you're going to have all (laughs) kinds of different roller coasters going on when you're trying to make sense of your inner with your external and removing those limiting beliefs, removing those conditionings that you saw also yes. removing, you know, cause we see our parents as superheroes. Yes. And yeah. we, we think that, you know, 
they're doing the best. Or sometimes we have it that they don't know anything and we disregard them. Yet it's neither one or the other. It's mm-hmm. about experiences. And are we actually being honest about what our inner terrain is? And a lot of the older generation had no idea how to do that. They weren't allowed yeah. to, period. It was a lot yeah. of survival. Exactly. It's that feeling of, you know, we're inviting people to be more human beings than human doers, you know, and depending on our parents and intergenerational, I feel like we originally, like back in the ancient times, we were very much connected to like our spiritual, like our feeling, our intuition, like things were just kind of, you know, even there was like no clocks and things to kind of keep time. It was just like intuitively moving with the seasons and the cycles of the moon and just like having the plant medicines and like all of that was just, we were very much connected to each other, like the tribes, as well as to have like nature guide us and heal us and nurture us. You know what I mean? And then it was like, you know, it's like the Celestian prophecy, you know, then we kind of start to ask the questions of who are we? And we got all curious about that. And then we kind of sent off the scientists to kind of go and explore and do all these like studies to find who we are, which great, you know, teachings came out of that. And now I feel like this is a really exciting time to be alive is that it's kind of the science and the spirituality is coming together to, to kind of get, help us make sense of all of these layers that you're mentioning, you know, like our feelings, like inviting us to be back in our bodies, go through the emotions. You know what I mean? It it is kind of a privilege too, because as you said, a lot of times it's like the survival needs have to be met first to then go into the next layer of being able to feel those feelings. So if you're in survival mode and if you're in a war-torn country, you know, like I came from war-torn, it's like survival is all there is. You know what I mean? Like you're just trying to, the foods are on rations and you're just trying to get enough to feed your family and not get bombed and not be, you know what I mean? Just keep safe and, and fed. So when safety though is established, then we can kind of look into, okay, how am I actually feeling? Which is this North American kind of like privilege and a lot of countries that have that sense of safety so that we can actually invite and the higher levels of consciousness that we're like reaching now, the awareness, you know, to ourselves and to past generations. I feel like this is the first time in, in human history where we're like the parents, especially now, they have the awareness of what happened and what they brought in to the parenting dynamic and they not wanting to pass down or be mindful of what they want to pass down to the next generation. But it's like a sandwich because there's that default programming that a lot of times we fall back into despite our best efforts to educate and become conscious of our patterns and you know choose but there's that nervous system activation there's that survival like that early early brain stem stuff that gets in the way so there's that default that we're trying to as you say like shed or release you know or heal from and then move forward you know consciously but it's, it's that sandwich you know because we can, we're aware of the damage we're aware i think that's where the inner conflict and there's so much need for compassion you know for this generation of parents to be like you're trying to create a brand new blueprint you know in your family and and breaking the intergenerational patterns you know and we're doing it individually but there's also this collective level of of releasing and and healing the collective trauma that's hidden in the human psyche you know Mm -hmm. so it's exciting to see all of these you know global issues coming to the surface so that we can kind of look at it as a humanity you know what i mean but it's also very painful and it's very disruptive you know and so the sense of that community like we're yes we're spiritual you know like we can connect to source and that but we're also very social beings you know we need each other in a way we're 
that where that community where you feel that soft landing you know that you can be with people who will support you through this you know passage or this you know as you're healing as you're releasing as you're moving forward and then that way if the adults have that community then they're able they're better able to be that you know, container for their children. Cause I think children right now, both the teens and like, I got younger ones are under 10, three of them. And then I work with teenagers and I see that they're experiencing all of these energies from parents. They hear, they overhear the conversations that are going on about what's going on in, in the, in the world and the work stress and the work diet, like everything is shifting. You know what I mean? And so they're reacting. They show it all through their behavior though. And sometimes through their symptoms too, you know, like through their tummy aches, for example, or headaches, or if they're not sleeping or if they're, you know, a little too, a, a little more edgy, more reactive to their siblings, for example, you're like, Oh, so something's going on. They haven't kind of figured out how to articulate what's going on. So I think a, a lot of it, again, is to encourage parents, the more we can become mindful of our experiences, our feeling state, our physical sensations, the more we're able to just, it's it's amazing when you pay attention to the feeling, the feeling they say like biologically, it's got like 90 second lifespan, but it's the stories. If we run with the stories and the meaning making that can make that emotional state last longer and longer and longer and then create all kinds of havoc, you know, in our lives rather than just sort of letting ourselves sit with that discomfort. of Like I'm really feeling like the despair. Like I've had to sit with the despair when we were having our federal elections here in Canada. I was like, what am I feeling right now? You know what I mean? It was like, it was, it was a voting day. And I was like, let me just feel the feelings. And I was like picking up my kids. So there's never, ever good timing for these things. But I was like in the forest by my kid's school. And I was just like, okay, let me just go into it. Oh, this is despair. And it's like this stomach like palpitation. It's like a silent cry, which was very surprising for me. But if it came through me, you know what I mean? And it didn't last too long. And then there was a sadness then. So there was more tears after the despair is like the sadness. But initially we get stuck in the headspace and the and the anger and the frustration and all that. But there's always these kind of like more vulnerable, delicate, tender feelings underneath that, that, you know, our anger or frustration is trying to either protect us or create change in our lives. But to get to that futility and that sense of like, I can't control my, whatever is outside of me, you know, and a lot of times that's another piece that I, I love to talk about is what we're putting our power and our energy towards is it towards changing our children, changing our partners, changing the world outside of us or focusing inward and looking at our own sense of what is my power in this situation? What is my choice in this situation? What do I actually get to you know control? And we start to see, oh, it's really humbling, actually. <laughs> I thought, you know, my mind was telling me I have all this like power <laughs> to, to control other people and influence other people, but actually I only have that inside me. And then when I work on the inside, it kind of has this like effect of rippling out into the world around me. It's like that energetic rippling, like whatever's in side so it is outside if we don't look inside we're going to unconsciously you know if you will. history yeah i always say that we're feeling bodies that think and we have forgotten mm. about that 
that we are feeling and we have repressed it, suppressed it, resisted it. And that's Mm -hmm. why you'll get into either be lethargy or anger or resentment because you're not Mm -hmm. wanting to feel the sensitivity of vulnerability. Yes. We're so guarded, aren't we? Yeah. And so when we can acknowledge, and I appreciate you offering that work process that you just described about, you know, I really had to be in the despair. I really had to feel all this stuff. And when we can go deeper into our emotions, then we can go deeper into empathizing what other people are feeling. Yes, and exactly. Then we can be, because what, what I'm seeing more and more when I'm serving clients and speaking with people is that in the center of us, all we want is to really be seen in our naked truth and to be accepted. Just, just how I am. Don't try to fix me. Don't try to internal or, or just, can you see me? And Mm -hmm. to be able to see somebody means that you have to do some deep listening and be aware of your inner terrain because your inner terrain will put a filter into your listening and you won't actually see the person for who they are you will get them all confused with your own inner terrain. Exactly. Oh my goodness, you nailed it. That whole reactivity that we have, you know, uh, even as uh, as you as you were mentioning, like the deeper we can go, it applies to healers too. You know, you can only take a client as deep as you've gone yourself. You know what I mean? In, into the journey, because that is that lived experience to be able to truly understand and have that empathy for another being. It doesn't have to be the same experience, but it's that deeper level of like, okay, I've seen my shadow. I've seen all of my parts. I've experienced it. I've allowed myself to, like you said, feel all those uncomfortable feelings that I was trying to run away from, trying to escape. And we can't, you know, there's sometimes there's appropriate times to feel it. Like, you know, this morning with my husband, it's just, it, it can happen in such an instant where it's just like one little phrase, one little tone. And we're, because we're in these emotionally intense relationships, we just experience it so much more like loudly. And it also depends on like our own stage of like, whether it's hormones or what's going on in our own lives and, and all that. Right. But I used to just really, again, as soon as he would say something, I would just react. I want to correct him and say, no, talk to me. Cause that's the initial part of like boundaries. You're thinking, okay, I'm setting a boundary. Like I want to be spoken to, but it's about have I handled the feeling that I had about it first so that I can actually tend to myself first, you know, and then I can express the boundary for sure and express my need, but then it's not going to come across in that reactionary, um, contemptuous kind of like way that the person doesn't end up hearing us. It puts them on the defense anyway. So that's where I think a lot of like butting heads happen in relationships. Cause you're just like not wanting to feel whatever that felt as soon as you heard that tone or that reaction, it just hits you, but it's so painful and whatever's going on. We're busy, you know, making the lunches for school and breakfast and all this kind of stuff. So there's also that like sense of urgency. And you know what? I've learned to just really just stop, like drop whatever's going on. I'm like, even if the kids are going to be late for school, that's okay. Because 
our relationships and how we feel is more important, which is sort of going against, you know, societal values. I get that, you know, like we've been like, be on time, do go perform, right? Forget how you feel. And that's how we learn to like really stomp and crush and suppress whatever we're feeling because the show must go on kind of mentality, right? And now we're like, okay, no, let me just reverse the priorities here a little bit and values a little bit. And it just becomes this like, as, as you allow that to happen. So I went from like, I see the urge, you know, you start to become aware of yourself so much. You're like, Oh, I want to say this. And I want to say that. And I'm like, okay, what really happened for me? And then you allow yourself to go into the hurt. Like it actually hurt, you know? And I don't know how often we we allow ourselves, give ourselves permission to acknowledge the pain and the hurt in our hearts. You know what I mean? And actually like literally go into that heart space and like, okay. And I just removed myself. I came down into my office on my little meditation pillow. And I just like had a good cry sesh for myself. And then I start to give myself that support. I'm like, I see you. Like when you said, I see you, I'm like, was she in my head earlier this morning? (laughs) Nat, you know, like I see you going and like really important to kind of say our own name as you know, odd or silly or whatever that seems, but to, because there's a frequency, like our words and stuff have a frequency and we hear our own name. Sometimes they say you hear the word no more than you hear your name, but definitely we've heard our own name like all the time, right? So it has a power to say to you, to tell your subconscious mind and your body and that, that I'm here and I see you, I feel you. And then give yourself like a hug or put your hand on your heart, like give yourself what you're hoping the world will give you, you know, and you soothe yourself. And then you kind of see, wow, I'm actually really powerful in soothing my own self, you know, and meeting my own needs so that I don't have to constantly have this demand, you know, on others to meet those needs for me. And then I can go up and show up. And then I didn't even have to say much. I went and kissed my kids. My husband got them downstairs and I went to kiss them and hug them goodbye. And and they left. I was much calmer. And then I was up. And then when he came, he himself came and acknowledged that, you know, I, I know I go into my rush, rush, get the, get the things done. And I was a little bit insensitive with that tone that I took, you know, and it was over something. So it's always so something so like silly or, or small. It was like over, like, you know, maybe we should go get that container for his like hot lunch. I'm like, well, maybe, or we can just put it in here and say for once, maybe we can just say, okay. You know, and that became this big thing in my head. And I was just watching myself also make those stories the meaning making of like, oh, he doesn't care. How could he be so insensitive? Doesn't he see how much I'm trying to be positive and thankful and appreciative and gratitude? You know, like even in the spiritual sense of like how we're trying to create that like environment in our home, we could end up kind of like bulldozing over other people. Or if our efforts are not seen again, validated by the outside, then we feel like, oh, it's not good enough rather than just saying, hey, I see you. I see your efforts. And it's okay if he doesn't. And it's okay if he's then the way he is. Because once I was able to soothe myself, I was able to see what he's contributing, you know, like whether it's his gifts or his ways. But instead of this, like through that lens of anger and hate and contempt and wanting to fix him or change him so that I could feel better. I was like, okay, I add this to the relationship and he brings this to the relationship. And it's like that deeper part of like accepting and honoring each other exactly as we are, you know, and as the parents to then that, then our children feel it, you know, they feel and they replicate it. Like I see how my husband and I are interacting uh, filters down to how my kids interact with each other. 
mm-hmm. you know? And so it's just, there's such a gift in that regard because they're a constant mirror onto us because they're such a pure blank slate and they're just kind of reflected. They don't have those filters yet, you know? So, like, thank you. It's like a daily spiritual boot camp. I say this whole parenting thing is daily, it's 24 seven. I say it's the highest spiritual practice you could have in life. Because relationships, marriages, you can walk away from, even though it can be difficult, yet children, Mm -hmm. there's this nurturing, you can still walk away, yet it is much more difficult. And in there, if you're willing to grow and mature and Mm -hmm. take ownership for your side of the road, it is a boot camp. It is, um, there's always something to look at and something to unearth and then also be proud of your own maturity. Yes. Because yes. it's, it's warrior work. Yeah, <laughs> it is warrior work. Like there's, It's, it's yeah. warrior work. Like to, to also, you know, what I'm hearing you say too, in the morning routines, we are so habituated to rushing. We're getting mm-hmm. so concerned about the perfection of being on time, getting yes. things right, making sure everybody has this on top of all the schedules. So then we become very fragile in our transitions. And then you put everybody in a small clothes. Everybody's pinging off of each other's energy because a lot of times we're doing things that we don't even really want to do. Most of the kids are like, I don't really want to go to school today, or I don't really want to go to work today, or don't yet. We need to get it done. So let's go. And actually just holding the space of acknowledgement for a moment and like, let's all take a breath or recognize the way your husband's fear shows up becomes very territorial, very dominant powering. And then mine is like, I'm trying to be very joyful and and bubbly. And so these two clash when it's like, there's still both two frightened parts that are meeting Mm -hmm. up with each other that still don't know how to communicate that I'm kind of scared in this moment. And I don't know how to acknowledge it for myself. Yes. Oh, I love that you just went right into the heart of that, that vulnerability, you know, because we also have those like, you know, duties and responsibilities. And so imagine as a parent to give yourself permission to say, I'm scared right now. Um, you know what I mean? Or I don't feel like there's that sense of like inadequacy, like the demands of everyday life were more than my ability. You know, I could, I kept reaching my limit, my learning edges, you know, but it was like to own that, to be like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling very like overwhelmed or inadequate right now. And right now I'm scared to own that because it's hard how that gets met, you know, or in our mind, we think we can't do that. And so a lot of times, actually, sometimes parents, that inner child comes out. And so it's like a whole bunch of children in the house. There's no adults then, you know what I mean? So like we have the inner children in ourselves too, who do feel insecure and scared and need to be addressed, like acknowledged and nurtured because when we don't, that's when they kind of go into the unconscious below conscious awareness and they creep up in these unconscious ways, you know, usually through, (laughs) and then you're like, now I have, Right now, I have no idea where that came from. And so we have no more, you know, so this, this power of awareness to be like, in the moment, this is how I'm feeling in the moment. And it's okay to not get that part right either. Because I think in a lot You're of us- You're not going our, to. You're not, yeah. it's a learning thing. And <laughs> and as there, this is the whole thing that if you can understand, there is no arrival. Yes. It is a continuous of learning and discovering. And you- 
have to redefine what compassion is for yourself when you see some of the harm that you do, some of the mistakes that you've made, some of the unconsciousness. You're not going to be the all knowing because then what's the sense of being human? Mm -hmm. This is about a discovery and it's about, you know, going into seeing the dynamics of really what are the depths of communication? Do Mm -hmm. we even really know how to communicate yet? And I would say the majority of us as humans, no, we don't. Because Mm -hmm. what is missing is the context of emotions. Yes. And we haven't come in the space of maturity to really acknowledge this stuff yet. Yeah. It's such a baby right now in our, in our world, you know, just now it's like seeing the social emotional learning, for example, the SEL in schools, you know what I mean? And I, I sometimes I'm like, wow, sometimes I see the shows, even like the Daniel Tiger shows or the SEL in schools or teachers are learning about trauma informed education, for example. I'm like, wow, I have so much to still learn. Even being a therapist all these years, I'm like, I still got in the practice of it when your emotions are activated, you know, you can do a lot from the mind, you know, there was a running joke with counselors, like those who can't do teach and it's okay. Those who can't, you know, do their own therapy, they, they just can still deliver the therapy. But, you know, again, like if you haven't done your own inner work, there's only so far you can help other people with. And so you're absolutely right in terms of that. We are just beginning to learn, to emote, you know, and to show up as emotional feeling beings Because, you know, a lot of times, depending on our upbringing, those emotions were not acknowledged. It was actually scary or dangerous to be vulnerable, to show that you're scared, you Mm -hmm. know, because what does that mean? It either meant if you had authoritarian style parents, then you were then more in the wrong and you should be more shameful. We're we're very protected against feeling that shame. You know, there's a healthy amount of shame, but that deeper shame. So we're going to, you know, try to defend ourselves and explain our way out or lie. Why do children learn to lie at such a young age? Because they don't want to feel that shame. Mm-hmm. So even learning to be, to be okay with not having it right, to be okay to admit to mistakes, to also express forgiveness, you know, or even receiving appreciation. I'm like, these are just like the things that we kind of um, value, but to actually receive it, like to actually embody it and actually have it express and play out in, in the communication as you're talking about is so hard. Like I'll say it to my husband, like, I really appreciate that you did this. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll brush that off. <laughs> but if I complain about something, then that'll be like, <laughs> right. So we're almost like conditioned to be like, look for the critique, the problem to solve the problem, because that's what we do rather than just like we want the freedom. We want that sense of like harmony and peace and joy, but we see that our system has a lot of catching up to do with that. We can have a definition of what we think love, peace, tranquility is. Yet if we haven't embodied what it actually feels like for us, Mm -hmm. we're searching for something that we'll never be able to attain because we haven't connected into it what it feels like for you. So peace may feel something different for you than it would look like for somebody else. Right. And so it's really coming into, well, not what it looks like. How does it feel inside for you? Exactly. And that will look different for everybody else. Yet when we're seeking for something that we have this kind of definition, yet we don't really know how to embody that, 
Because exactly. again, we're not connected into how does that feel? Mm-hmm. And, and what I know to be true is that with trauma, especially when you've experienced it in your childhood, your nervous system all of a sudden defaults to a hyperactive negativity, always looking for the unsafe. What I know is that the nervous system has one default. Don't mm-hmm. die. Yes. Don't die. Because if I yeah. die, then this story living being won't exist. So that is my one function. Mm-hmm. And so whenever there's been a feeling, and if we haven't been able to address it, we don't realize that that same feeling is addressing a signal that feels like death. Mm-hmm. Although our actual immediate like environment doesn't show that, yet what's yes. inside us is signaling that. And exactly. so when that's continuously signaling, then your nervous system's always looking for the critique and, and the wrong. And this is how I have to feel, not yeah. knowing that it could be disarmed and feel a sense of rest because I've experienced a lot of trauma since childhood and different types of experiences mm-hmm. that sometimes coming back into the body doesn't feel safe, especially exactly. when it's been harmed. Mm-hmm. And so when you're in that state of relaxation, there's a lot of apprehension because you're waiting for the next shoe to drop. Exactly. And that has to be explained to people that, you know, relaxation is going to be difficult for you to do for a very long time. Yes. And it's rewiring your brain and your Mm -hmm. system to recognize this is the state that you actually want to be in, yet it feels Mm -hmm. like boiling water at times. Exactly. And I don't know how to be in this palpitation anymore because I need to be doing something. And it's like, no, just breathe and and (laughs) rewire yourself. Yet it's like, no, no, you can't tell me this is safe. This isn't safe for me. From the discoveries that I've done, where I see the challenge in a lot of people is we have been so programmed to make things complicated. Mm. And when we offer simple tools, Don't give me that because it's not going to work. It needs to be complicated for me to achieve something. Yes. Right. (laughs) It's like, that's the mind when it goes, oh, it it goes. It's like the tool of the mind can be tool and helpful, but it could also be detrimental because it's, it's trying to build a complicated thing to fulfill something. And you're like, it's in the simplicity. It's in being able to be comfortable again, back in your body. And I also, it's really interesting. You mentioned this. I've also seen that in the, in the spiritual communities, you know what I mean? That the, the higher the trauma has been, the more out of body people want to experience that sort of ethereal, like, let me go into these realms out of body coaching program that I'm in right now. is all about coming back into the body. You know what I mean? And having, yes, have your spiritual experiences, but learning how to sit into the body and be with the body and um, feel all the sensations, but it's a muscle, right? So like you said, it's very difficult at first. Like I'm, I remember having very anxious clients that are, I mean, not only have they not resolved any of their like traumas that are showing up in the nervous system constantly, but now they also have teenagers who are doing all kinds of worrisome behaviors, you know, from addictions to anger, to, you know, tearing up the house to promiscuity. Like, so then all that focus, all that unresolved stuff. So it's like even another pull out of the body to be with the children and to take care of their stuff. So there's just even more of a neglect. And so 
again, I get that same pushback of like, what do you mean? <laughs> like breathe, <laughs> you know, what do you mean? Feel like put your hand in and, and see the sensation. I'm like, okay, that powerful pause, you know, so that you can slow down enough to, instead of going from that reactionary place, you go to a respond, you know, respond in, in the way that is actually from your inner wisdom rather than from this survival energy this this high that we get on and and we're so so wired in and so familiar to us it's like i don't want to change it because this is all i know or i'll get the parents who are like well it worked for me so why can't i do the same that my parents did with my kids whether it's the you know hitting the punishments like the fear-based strategies and i'm like so then it's like challenging those things you know like did it really work for you you know what i mean we didn't start to change even parenting until we had the research come out and see from childhood what led to the adult experience of the like we're we're kind of in this mental health crisis you know what i mean like high levels of anxiety high levels of depression all kinds of um you know self image even and lack of self confidence and that ability to kind of be capable in our adult lives it gets in the way you know what i mean so if we didn't have all that research coming out to connect to early childhood experiences, those ACE experiences to the future outcome, then we wouldn't really be focusing so much on changing the the parenting to begin with. And the parenting to be like, a lot of times parents come to me and like, fix my kid. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like that's the reason they came in to therapy. But it's like, you know, bringing their attention to themselves. How are you showing up? How are you, you want your child to, you know, feel healthy and, you know, be okay with their expressing their emotions in healthy ways and communicating these ways. Well, how are you doing with all that? And it's such a challenge, you know, and, and it depends on the receptability of the, of the parent to like receive that because the ego again is, is there to protect and defend, you know? So a lot of times it's just like push back, push back, or it's not working. Like you say, you know, you'll get all of this. And those are all defenses designed to continue the status quo to continue the continuation of that pattern that we might know that it's not working for us but again it's so difficult to feel our way out you know what a healer is is a person that's going to bring you back into yourself yes they don't take away all the stuff that you have it's you you have to go within yourself and yes. reconnect where you've disconnected. And, and, and when you want to be out of the body, I understand, especially when there's been a lot of trauma and pain, there's so much of a signaling coming through. Yet, it, when you have the ability to sit and weather that storm, eventually, it no longer rings like that. Yet, it takes exactly. a process. It, it takes yes. a process. It's warrior work. I, I've done yeah. my own process. I've sat and everything else. And it's yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work and <laughs> the work doesn't go away. And yet there is a benefit to it. When your emotions spring, you're able to be with them and not be gone for about two weeks in an emotional state. You're able yeah. to actually acknowledge it, see it and see things for what they are and not the stories that go on. You know, we always go in this black and white thinking of love and fear where Mm. I was looking at you visually and it's like, how do I bring the two together? And I think the fear is we've been repulsed of our humanity. 
mm-hmm. and our nervous system and really understanding what the nervous system is because it's built in fear. It, it mm-hmm. needs to have that energy to be able to detect certain things. Mm. And then the love has been this kind of energy of spirituality and interconnectedness. Yet the blending of the two allows the merging and not mm-hmm. having to be repulsed over one over the other yes. and wanting to, like we were saying about the outer body experiences where people are seeking so much because of the trauma that they've experienced. So being in the body is just too dense for them. And I think sometimes this love and fear, you know, picking one or the other, it's again, this othering and not Mm -hmm. allowing the listening of the two to understand, well, there's some choices that you think are out of love, but really they've been fueled with fear. Mm-hmm. And if we don't acknowledge the fear and allow it to have a healthy conversation, then we're repeating the patterns too in the name of love that we're yes. allowed to just ignore somebody in the name of love. You, you don't follow my rules. So in the name of love, and it's like, well, wait, mm-hmm. if I have to listen to somebody that invokes a lot of fear in me, I have to acknowledge that there's going to be fear. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's such a good point. The black and white, it's seeing the value of it all, you know, that all inclusive, like each of our emotions are also messengers to us. You know what I mean? So when we start to pay attention to the fear, like fears, you know, about safety again, which is the nervous system. It's all about safety and protection. And so that's why is it coming up? Getting really curious about that. And then when you say get curious about your own inner experience, then you're able to have that curiosity for someone else you can extend it to someone else and be like why are they doing what they're doing you know what's the fear or the love or the emotion because emotion drives behavior and then underneath that is sort of the belief systems what's what are the belief systems what how did this person become who it is they are i hear it all the time and then all of a sudden well if you ignore all of your fear then how can you do your shadow work exactly and how to invite all that trauma, because once, once we invite the, the shadow and do the trauma work as well, it's like, then you can actually reintegrate yourself. You know what I mean? Because well, trauma is, you know, it, it splits us up into these shatters, mm-hmm. shatters us, right? So it's like that reintegration and hundred percent, because that's the other thing. It's this, it's this bypassing because again, it's scary. It's uncomfortable to go there. But when we do, and the people who have, you know, shared their stories of, of becoming friends with their shadow, becoming aware of their shadow, dealing with the, the trauma and experience that neutralized, and then seeing the truth that came out of that, seeing the wisdom that came out of that, you know, push it away. And it's also about the readiness, not everyone in every lifetime, even, you know, that's, that's the thing, especially when it comes to family or people who are really close to us. And you might have gone down your journey and be like, okay, I can see what's happening for you. I can see the struggle. I can even see, you know, how different the patterns. patterns of traumas, yeah. right? We're just pattern detectors at this point, yeah. right? And then you want so badly, you know, to pass that or help the other person, especially if you love them and you care about them and they're in your life and they're going to impact, you know, your life and your children and your work and whatever. But it's that honoring of the readiness. You know, and that acceptance piece of I see where you're at and uh, not giving unsolicited (laughs) advice. And it's difficult sometimes. It's difficult 
that's yeah, you know us as parents biting. we interfere a lot with our kids and it's like oh yeah oh well, I'm and it's like you're interfering <laughs> and you got to stop cuz and yeah. cuz a lot of times we again the ego would like to think that because of its experiences it knows the all knowing and everything is yes. right and how they yeah. experience where it's like it doesn't mean it's going to work out that way for that person exactly and you, you don't know that- the life experiences they require in their journey Yes. I'm going to bring you into a reflective question. Okay. I'm going to ask you to go back to your 18-year-old self. Okay. And you're going to bring this awareness and you're able to say only three words. Mm. What would those three words be? I would say, relax, you're enough, feel. Because I wasn't feeling anything. It was just going relax in order to feel and to know that I'm enough as I am that I don't have to constantly be achieving something in order to feel something mm-hmm. yeah I think now I'm always about like okay so what is my truth like trusting myself to to be connected to my truth and then trusting that expressing it will only bring back a reverberation of that you know, and not having to, before I'd be like, what is the expectation other people have? And how do I actually become that from the outside in, but now it's like from inside out. Where can the listeners find you? Uh, well, I have social media <laughs> for now, right? So Facebook, um, my page is Goalie MOM Clinical Counseling and Hypnotherapy. It's really long. But if you look up Goalie with a Y, G-O-L-Y, most people spell with an I, but mine is with a Y, Goalie MOM um, on Facebook and then Instagram uh, is the evolving underscore mamas uh, as my Instagram handle, goaliemom.com is my uh, website. Yeah, they can direct message me, um, you know, or email or book a complimentary call. Like I love having kind of clarity calls, discovery calls, or putting on a retreat beginning of collaborating with other um, local BC uh, women to put together something special for the going into the holiday seasons where it feels like kind of cold, but just to come in a space of like warm your soul, you know, and be in this gathering, like a three-day retreat, virtual retreat. So that'll be in, in December, but I do uh, one-on-one sessions. I do hypnotherapy sessions. I do counseling sessions. Um, the coaching is more to do with like trauma, spiritual kind of coaching. So um, I do one-on-one work primarily right now. People can um, just call because it's all about goodness of fit, you know, to be a fit with each other. I love to just kind of look at what are the issues that are going on right now, top of mind in that discovery call. And if I can share some insights in that moment. Um, And then there's a, and I love collaborations right now. So there's a collaboration of uh, a book that I'm co-authoring with other moms. It's called the motherhood goddess powered. And it's with like 14 other moms. And so my chapter, I have one chapter in that that's coming out in December as well. So those are some of the things. What would you like to leave the listeners with? Meet yourself where you're at. There's this profound thing that comes in from accepting ourselves as we are rather than what we should, you know, releasing the shackles of the shoulds and just being with where you're at, honoring yourself as you are, knowing that you can give yourself all the things that you're hoping from other people. And once you do see that and empower yourself that way, that's what connects you back to your own inner power. 
you know, and your inner truth and have a practice, a daily spiritual practice to give you that experiential peace and using those feelings. Those are the messengers from the soul, from the inner self. And my last thing is really just you know, permission to be in joy. I always say follow the breadcrumbs of your joy to your soul's calling because there's just different things that bring that joy for us. So give yourself permission to go inward, feel all the feelings, go through the feelings, and then see what brings you joy and follow that because it's going to lead you to, to your actual soul's calling. We're all designed to express something in this lifetime. Thank you for being here. This has been an enriching, vibrant conversation. I truly appreciate you. And I hope that you'll come back. Oh, it's been such an honor, Nat Nat, to have this conversation. The time just flew by. And I love who you are, you know, as a person, you're sharing your values and what gifts you have to offer other people, which is that that holding that space so that people can come as they are to you as well. It's been so nice. Thank you. Remember, remember to be kind and soft with yourself. Yes. Good one. Same with you, lady. I will. (laughs) I will. (laughs) Have a good one. Thank you for making it all the way to the end. I appreciate you and your time. If you found anything that was relevant, or perhaps there's somebody that you think can benefit from this podcast, please share it out. Help grow the community. Help grow Lift Oneself. You can find more information on our website at www.liftoneself.com. Until next time, be sure to be kind and soft with yourself. You matter.